Hey, it's Tweeter's Digest, the gender-pilled podcast. Episode 6, Kombucha's Brain is Small. Hey, Kombucha, thanks for uh, taking the time to talk with me today. What's up? Uh, just enjoying, enjoying the day and the life, man. Yeah, before we uh, get into this stuff, I'd first love to know, what have you been up to lately? Mm, maxing and relaxing. Yeah, cannot. It's been a, a smattering of different activities, so I can't really <clears throat> think of any single easy way to define it. Okay, uh, maybe we'll learn more as we uh, get into your tweets then. On January 21st, 2021, you tweeted, the shill for therapy is an unperceived hedge to hide the reasons why it's necessary for most women to exist as independent individuals in the current economic space. There's a reason why you rarely see women finish therapy as it's not meant to be finished. The need for sustainable profit incentivizes a need to maintain dependence and therefore bread and butter income. None of this is an active pursuit, by the way, rather systemic. I say this not in regard to therapy as a theory, the nature of which will be touched on later, more with regard to the current state of the practice in America. A TLDR outline going forward is therapy itself is a codified version of the classic male rearing experience. An anecdotal but relatable defense of this is as simple as the most common customer base. It largely consists of women who were raised with absent, emotionally or physically, fathers, overbearing and overly paternal parent figures of either gender, and mama's boys. People who were never given lessons, which amount to do this, figure it out. There was always a do it this way, which usually yielded some tangible form, which could be interpreted as success, affection, money, freedom from chores, etc. There was never a do this because it must be done. There is no reason. Flavor of lesson during adolescence. This, finding one's own meaning and value, is the desired mental process sought out by all therapeutic strategies. While this is an admirable goal, as this mindset is infinitely useful, the practice itself turns this process into a saleable service. It's wisdom for hire. Teach a man how to fish, and you're both out of business, as well as out of practice of expertise, experience, and ego boost. Damn, yeah, nice choice. (laughs) (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. First thought, I mean, the, it's uh, all vibes, no thought. I've already forgotten that um, why I thought that as far as like the entire argument. That's kind of why I grabbed some paper was to try to reform the original argument that led to that thought. But it's I want to say it's classic Marxist, but not really. It's a, a classic complaint of capitalism or of uh, it's, it's the meme. It's crony capitalism. But it's really that um, once someone's livelihood is based upon a source of income, they are necessarily motivated to maintain that income, whether it be through varying means that could be varying uh, levels of morality, being seeking new customers or maintaining current customers. And there's no real incentive for them to make that moral choice in either direction and frankly one is easier than the other i think that's the original thoughts 
there's some theory behind that, but I forget who said it. <laughs> uh, you know, that new and existing customer dependence reminds me of like um, things with like psychedelic therapies where, you know, you can hook someone on Adderall forever and, you know, get a sustainable income generation that way or do some psychs one or a few times and then you're, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're sort of nudges are changed for life and you don't need to have some ongoing medical dependence in that way. Exactly. It's the same argument. The same arguments are made about automobiles, about selling new autos versus repairing old cars, housing, really everything about, and I'm not sure if it's America, particularly our flavor of capitalism, as a fan of capitalism, (laughs) for its upsides, it has its upsides, or what? I don't really, I forget the base arguments. I've been thinking about other things lately and my my brain is small <laughs> i see um i was also curious from this uh you sort of frame it as a kind of gender thing like it's more um this therapy idea is more relevant to women but is it is that actually the case i feel like this would be you know boys and girls would both be affected by this phenomenon where you know you're sort of hooked on therapy so to speak yeah it's mostly that it's just directly marketed to women um by culture i mean women's ah that feels like a cheat women are more likely to seek to help each other or to convince each other that's um the often discussed issue that men's culture has and that we don't um, help each other with emotional issues or um personal problems and it's just more likely to from what i've seen be the end result of those discussions between women or um in their uh, in a gender space dialogue but as far as why i came up with the thought i was probably just butthurt about like a date pissing me off or something <laughs> yeah i mean i've noticed sort of through line throughout a lot of your tweets it was a uh, kind of like some you know laser room heist thing on my end to avoid <laughs> your most inflammatory tweets but I think I succeeded. Uh, I'm curious, have you ever like done therapy yourself? Uh, do you have any personal experience there? No, I, uh, I studied it, <clears throat> which is probably the exact wrong thing to do. Uh, how, did, how, how did you study it? Again, that's the thing, <laughs> the thing I did a while ago that I've since forgotten. <laughs> um, it was like, first I decided to learn deep self-reflection and deep relaxation. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, letting thoughts and feelings fro- flow and then yeah, slowly picking out. And as I've described to many others, one of my favorite pieces of advice, of, of advice that was given to me by an actual therapist was um, to just take notes on a, some sort of regular interval basis of what happened and yada yada and sort of, uh, again, self-therapizing. If that's even a word. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll allow it. Therapizing. Hmm. All right, so you did a lot of say self-reflection was that through journaling like how what was your process of like noticing things about yourself i mean it's still ongoing it just uh changes all the time so it wasn't like a was happened it was a beginning of um something that i would do forever i was mm-hmm. seeking self-growth hmm. yeah that's a good question thanks <laughs> no honestly uh that was basically it was um beginning to notice and slowly whittling down from 
a, a very rough strategy, right? Of from the brain to handwriting onto the paper and then back out into the brain space mm-hmm. to, um, and then refact, like kind of boiling it into feelings and thoughts and eventually sort of vibes or sort of not caring, not really sure which eventually became satisfied mostly with um, what was going on. Hmm. But that, that again, seems like a cheat. Say so it sounds like a cheat. It's, it seems like a cheat when I say it or like a, it seems like a cheap statement. Oh, cheat. Say. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So you're noticing things and capturing them in handwriting and refactoring them. Could you share like, I guess, like the content of what you were capturing? Was it mostly sort of, you know, just the events that happened? Was there a lot of emotional commentary, something else? What was the flavor of what you were writing down? Yeah, it started as that, <clears throat> as again, very rudimentary of like, this is the time. This is how I feel right now, right? It started with simple things. Again, I was raised without any of these ideas at all, besides um, basically how to do math. And uh, like, I am angry, right? Or I've, I am, um, now it is, and then it turns into okay, I feel tense here and here and here on my body. And oh, this is over the last hour or it started with days. Um, this is what happened over the last day. And then it was, this is what I've eaten. This is what I've drank. Yada, yada, yada. And kind of trying to put two and two together of like, what is happening? Why is this happening? And or And things such as, this is what came to mind when I was angry as far as um, what's an example. Memory is not my strong suit. That's my parent. <laughs> it's all good, man. Same here. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, why do I feel tense? What does this remind me of? Okay. Why is that memory something that makes me feel uncomfortable? Or why is it something that makes me feel sad? Or why is it something that makes me feel joy? Mm-hmm. And then again, working through that of, okay, what is this memory in my history? And what does it mean to me? And then eventually doing that, uh, slowly kind of whittling that journaling down from just a, as I mentioned, it started as one day, um, kind of whittling it down both time-wise into a, a less structured note form and eventually just thinking about it sort of actively and uh and then now still kind of dancing between actively and passively depending on how much i care really and how hungry i am <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah wow yeah this something's been on my mind lately too like the uh body mind interplay um mm-hmm. Just I've been like body pilled lately, like they seem much more, you know, correlated and interdependent than I used to give the body credit for. Mm-hmm. Body keep score. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Stellar book. That, that's one one detail of like the things I've touched along the way where it's like, does reading this book count as therapy? Is it equatable? Is it at least 10% as good? Yeah, I haven't read the book myself, but just generally, um, I feel like finding ways to help yourself 
you know, whatever practice that is, reading, journaling, conversations with friends or whoever, um, you know, figuring out how to like take care of yourself and, you know, nudge yourself towards whatever more sustainable mental processes or ways of living um, feels like the good quotes way to go about it, as opposed to like, you know, receiving directives from a therapist or someone um, yeah, helping yourself. I'm just a big fan of in general. So that was mm-hmm. part of why I think I decided to do it versus go to, no, it was actually because I didn't have insurance. That was why <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the actual reason why in hindsight, mm-hmm. I did go to a neuropsychologist once. I can actually probably find her notes here somewhere. <laughs> well, that, does that count? Right. Cause I have her whole work through. Um, it was like four or five pages of like, this is kombucha's like brain. What the fuck is going on? And it basically amounted to like, you're too low confidence. Uh, be more confident stretched out over seven pages. So, uh, yeah, does that count or does that not count? Right. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think, I don't think the, I don't think the sort of label thing is important, but if you got something out of that note, that long, be more confident note, then that's really what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess from that, did you take steps to become more confident or did you integrate that note somehow? Yeah, it's been a, a very long process of even understanding what that idea is mm-hmm. uh, within myself, but confidence versus arrogance is, is super tricky. Really? Yeah. Um, as in, why am I sure of something versus being sure of something for absolutely no reason? Um, that's my current I guess at the difference between those ideas. <sighs> <laughs> but, sorry, I, I ran out of coffee that's my bad oh tough i mean you can go make some more if you want i can pause mm. yeah that confidence arrogance point is interesting do you do you find yourself leaning too far in one direction or the other sometimes like you're you know you're either not confident enough or too arrogant Do those cases pop up in in your life it was definitely way too much arrogance in first. Again, before I had an idea of why, even um, you know, who I want to be as a going to stand another book now is uh, <laughs> the subtle art of not giving a fuck. It's basically the, the book of Job, but modernized. Uh, and it's like, it was first just like, oh, I'm, I'm awesome. Doing that for any decent amount of time is just, just a bad look. <laughs> And it leads to a lot of people. And again, it's this, um, you know, what am I getting from other people pattern or, or um, habit of self-reflection and, uh, and like, oh, you know what? People are mad at me. Why are they mad at me? <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm being an asshole. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that book title is certainly, you know, more inflammatory, <laughs> could lead to a lot of, uh, you know, more harm than help being done as far as, you know, self-help books. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a male-oriented book for sure. Mm-hmm. Is that a Mark Manson? Did he write it? <coughs> no clue. Okay. Yeah. I, I, mean, I just, I know yeah, I, yeah. that's on the details. Yeah, it uh, doesn't matter who. I just remember 
the Googleable part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just very glad to hear you've, you know, done a lot of introspection there and been able to help yourself. Sweet. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's move on to your next tweet. On February 15th, 2021, you tweeted, If any woman is interested in the sucky side of modern expectations towards masculinity, just tell them to watch Casino Royale, because that is it to a T. Good one. No, I'm, I'm thinking, because it's, uh, which scene is it? I think it's the casino scene. I mean, that's, again, that, that in hindsight, that tweet was a cheap shot. There's a downside to the way I use Twitter is um, not even fully formed ideas that are necessarily worth expressing, but I just poop them out anyways. Uh, yeah, it's the casino scene where it's like uh, he just, no matter what, he can't stop, even though I think it's the casino scene with the poker game. And where he's basically dying, but he has to hold up the the poker game and then uh, keep going no matter what, even though everything around him or everything within himself is falling apart. But he has to keep his mind and character together. It's a classic idea expressed on the Ask Men subreddit, I think. But I believe the idea goes, uh, it just sucks and uh, you can't quit. And that's the gist of it. Because there's nothing there otherwise. Hmm. Unfortunately, I, I haven't seen Casino Royale. I'm not familiar with the uh, scene here in question. But it sounds like what you're, what you're pointing towards is, is this idea that men sometimes have undue burdens placed on them from whatever society or family. Like, is that? Is that yes. Okay. It's half and half the, the burdens of... Um, I guess being the base pillar, the base drive, holding up um, a lot of structures. or But, yeah, holding up what? That's a good question. I want to say everything, as much as that feels hilariously cheap, once again. So, so you're saying that men hold up, is this all of society? Just um... No. I mean, not individually, no. Mm-hmm. However, within the family, often, yeah. Mm-hmm. I cannot think of any um, specific single examples. That's not my thing. But instead, there isn't much leeway if you if you fall apart as a man. There's there's no bottom. There's no mm-hmm. ground. It's just endless falling and uh, sort of like very similar to falling in dreams, free falling in in dreams, except um emotionally and psychologically in life oh shit oh shit (laughs) yeah yeah uh, that yeah that resonates um you know just culturally it feels like women have better access to either you know emotional other forms of support Mm -hmm. whereas men can be potentially left out in the cold if they don't you know live up to their expectations placed on them from family or whoever yeah and that's kind of i see the other side to it as well unfortunately where it's like the power of constraints is without that that uh the endless pit of uh, of emotion or psychological doom as a man you never really learn how to just uh put yourself together no matter how 
how flustered or um, Charlie Fox trotted everything is and just pick a direction and go. You're saying that sort of men like require these constraints in order to, you know, be successful in society or having trouble grasping what you're uh, pointing to here? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I didn't describe it or state it very well. It was actually kind of a, a hypothetical, which is shitty on my end. It's a question of whether or not those that uh, that need to learn how to work beyond and avoid the free fall is something that's actually beneficial for men. I don't think so, but it feels like that's um it has some value when it comes to fostering a certain kind of mindset and uh and learning what learning a skill that may be necessary in uh, exceptionally dark times. I'm still not quite sure about that. Obviously I'm complaining about it, so mm-hmm. yeah, going back to the uh the tweet itself. Have you, have you personally, I guess, felt pushback or, you know, some drawback from, you know, masculine expression or just, you know, inhabiting your more masculine energy, just socially or in any context? Good question. Inhabiting my masculine energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I don't even know what that is. That's, uh, that's one thing that's came out as far as uh, just pure your vibing or pure expression is uh, not complete or absolute or 100% masculinity. So you're saying like, um, when you're, you know, vibing or sort of being yourself as a more integration of both masculine and feminine energies, is that? That's what it seems. Yeah. That's what it seems to be from a bird's eye or a mm-hmm. self-reflective view. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course get pushed back from anything that isn't others expectations. But I'm trying to think of what my masculine expression would be. I mean, to, to dig a bit for that idea. And this is part of uh, that self-reflection I've actually been touching on quite a bit recently is um, how much of it is just deference. What I think is a femininity within myself and how much of it is actually something that's, I don't know, true from some base brain or character state of being that I should consider myself particularly with to answer the question of pushback uh, the single moment that I receive pushback incredibly often is when I do not first set up a solidly masculine character and um set others expectations of like okay this is who this guy is this guy is like a a stiff kind of not brick wall visually but like this is a hard guy that can't be pushed and then if i'm more of who i usually am which is just vibing and uh then and then when it reaches a point where i'm just kind of annoyed or whatever or they're trying to push me around for their own reasons, some good, some maybe bad. And I'm not interested in letting them push me around, which is then going from kind of a, a fluid character to more of a 
stay static. I'm not sure if that is a fast one or not, but not allowing them to push me, then I get the pushback from the pushback. From the pushback. <laughs> them, them not liking that they uh that suddenly they're getting a a hard response. I'm not even sure how that fits into gender dynamics, to be honest. It's a good question, once again. <laughs> yeah, um, it's an interesting tweet. Uh, so make sure I understand. Uh, you have a more sort of vibing presence as opposed to strict or rigid masculinity. People don't seem to like that about you, so they try and nudge you or adjust you back towards more masculinity, and then you just stay firm about vibing, and they don't like that. Is that, <laughs> is that accurate as far as everything you mentioned there? Maybe. I don't <laughs> quite know. Uh, hmm. I thought I haven't, the details don't come to mind. Mm -hmm. It's not even sticking to vibing. <clears throat> it's when, um, when they all gas, no brains. <laughs> uh it's when <laughs> hmm yeah that's a damn good question <laughs> yeah it's that um yeah when my character isn't like this is a a good example way to say it that I have encountered it of some very masculine workspace jobs in the past is when my character isn't hard masculine and I am not allowed to or I, I don't let them always push me around and they get this this sudden moment of um okay you know this is this is bullshit I a lot letting this happen then they become frustrated in that way I think it's honestly poor communication which is something i've been thinking about recently is whether or not just vibing itself and just purely uh being whatever i want to be in itself is poor communication hmm. i think there's some validity to that personally but uh the and then the instance of it is yeah they become frustrated and they're like mm -hmm, versus if they know what to expect of like okay this guy is an asshole that's where the actually the value of the arrogance sometimes comes into play is uh and they're like okay this, is, this guy's an asshole i'll just i'll just get in line otherwise hmm. okay yeah it sounds like basically when other people can establish some mental model of of you of kombucha even if it's an asshole they accept that whereas if you're as you keep saying just vibing and not quite so definable or you know, contained, um, they get frustrated with that. Yes, spot on. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Um, is this, does this occur with both people you're meeting in like newer contexts and repeated contexts? Like if you're working with someone over the period of like many months, do they continue to be frustrated throughout that duration or does it? Yeah, no, that's where the flip side of the vibing comes in. That's, uh, to the tune of something a friend told me recently where he's, he's like man everyone likes you and and i was just uh i wasn't sure about whether even whether 
I would be able to go on a recent adventure. Whether I should just do it or what. And this friend is like far more socially ambulant than me, I feel. And yeah, I found that just vibing and being incredibly honest uh, leads to these, these deeper friendships in the long run where they know that what they're getting from me is true or genuine or honest or it is what it is. I'm not um, trying to manufacture anything versus. Yeah. Okay. So you've been told that you're great. And um, was that, was that surprising to hear? Did it sort of fit in with your conception of how other people see you? Yes. To was that surprising to hear? Yes. Oh, Did that okay. fit in with my conception of what others want to see in me? Actually, no. Because uh, depending on the person, a lot of people don't like me right away. <laughs> it, mm -hmm. it happens quite a bit. Um, there's the sympathetic angle of if they're just jealous or sad or something or blah, blah, blah. Or again, I'm not what they expect me to be. And, and yeah, that's what always comes to my mind first when I think of how do people do and don't like me. I totally, since I'm forgetful, I forget about a lot of, you know, I don't totally forget the people, but I forget in the immediate thought space about all of the long-term friendships. I, I noticed this at a recent event myself being, being complimented much more than I usually am just throughout my life and my days. Um, you know, it felt great, of course, <laughs> the, the same for you, I'm sure. Um, and I was thinking, you know, probably women just get more compliments just throughout their days, you know, median woman over the median man. So, you know, how does that affect men's self-conception where they don't get this more regular external validation? They have to sort of, you know, have more self-confidence in order to bolster themselves up because they're not going to get as much of that from their life, the people in their life. Oh, that's it. Uh, exactly. It's um, finding a reason to believe within yourself from within. And sometimes it just... Sometimes there's just nothing there or it takes a while to dig and build something that mm -hmm. at least within myself and kind of one of my rules is uh, something that I would feel is valid. And again, I'm confident in that idea that I'm using as a source of confidence. It's, it's just insanity, <laughs> but I hope that makes sense. I, for, I honestly already forgot your, your question. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think there's a, also a sane track to sort of bootstrapping self-confidence, just that you can start extremely small, just do like tiny things that show like, you know, I am about what I'm about, like just, you know, taking the tiniest step towards, I don't know, some health change in your life or you know, going towards some eventual career goal you have um, or some like relationship thing you desire. Um, just like taking the tiniest action to like try and get there. Just the smallest little thing shows like, oh, hey, I'm not quite bullshitting myself entirely. There's this tangible evidence that I'm trying to get somewhere. Um, so that can be a way to, you know, establish a more, 
you know, trusting, benevolent relationship with yourself. And from that, you can kind of build on it more and more and more to, yeah, become confident in the things you're capable of doing and uh, moving towards in life. That's why the classic male advice of go to the gym and get big <laughs> works. Mm -hmm. Shit works. Because mm -hmm. uh, being big is awesome. <laughs> just move couches and break doorknobs it's the best <laughs> you breaking doorknobs dude <laughs> I, I did it once like what was that 22 23 ish yeah it was you know a particularly loose doorknob but <laughs> <laughs> it was it's a cool feeling uh incredible Do you work out? Not too much anymore. Mostly just like lifestyle exercise. I used to go to the gym a lot for cardio and then uh, just did a lot of lifting for I think almost a year focused on weight gain or size and, and uh, maximum single static. I forget the word for it, but me mega gains basically. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> yeah kind of been writing that ever since and writing that and uh, work that requires exercise to maintain shape cool yeah i love the mega, mega gains i'll have to gains bro <laughs> keep that in mind in my workouts like it's, it's all for the mega gains uh cool man yeah that was that was i was really glad to hear all that from you it was interesting ideas about you know gender you do a lot of gender tweeting, so I was glad to get this one in. Yeah, I'm a whiny bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, many, many frames. <laughs> All right. Next tweet. On February 14th, 2022, you tweeted, The problem is we put experts in charge and kicked out all the leaders. Yeah, that's a good one. That's actually even a problem I have often myself when it comes to um, requirements at work. Is, is where's that fucking the pie chart where it's like this is how your knowledge goes as you get go from undergrad to grad to PhD or to master. What's it between PhD and I forgot all the four levels of um of the common university programs but it's that your knowledge um becomes more and more focused and people become very single-minded in their ideas of what can and can't be and especially when you look at a discipline like say psychology the entire schema or the the governing rules of what is and isn't right and wrong changes semi-often and you'll have people that are incredibly invested in this this these beliefs that are now known to actually not accurately accurately reflect reality and so and then you have people in charge who are making decisions based upon a framework of judgment that is just straight out of the loony bin basically and yeah and it's a, particularly when it comes to in charge it's <clears throat> that they are making these decisions at a executive level without 
any sort of veto power or any um, council, right, between different experts of varying churches or varying uh, competing belief structures. And again, instead, it's just one person. Sorry. What were your thoughts? <laughs> I feel like I interrupted you there. No, no, I'm, I'm the host. It's all about your thoughts. Um, I keep having audio things. Um, I'm sorry, like you're clicking a pin, maybe like a oh. stem. I, I hate to like stop you from stimming, but that's does, good. You can find like a silent way to like <laughs> go about it. I'll um, go back to scribbling. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so I, what I what I heard there was um, experts, you know, by their nature become specialized, whether it's PhD people or you know political leadership, um, they're surrounded by yes men, they sort of lose an ability to see like a broader picture, like how their own specialized knowledge fits into the broader ecosystem. And that's, uh, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a rough outline of it. But it's, hmm. I think it's, a actually appointed psychological issue of spending too much time consuming the exact same kind of matter or like reinforcing uh, knowns instead of exploring unknowns. And then, of course, what that does to someone who's seeking a pointed expertise or as the, again, the upside of, to my knowledge with academia, the upside of the doctorate program is you have some sort of study or, or work that you do at the end of it to push science a little farther forward and going down the rabbit hole is my favorite way to describe it. Going down the rabbit hole is necessary to finally reach the cutting edge of what is known and unknown. Um, you know, maybe the everything that's based upon might end up being false, but a lot of times this, this cutting edge work is even useful once you sort of a switch modes, say from, from Freudian now to actually I think we're currently on loops when it comes to psychology. I, don't, I kept track. <laughs> but uh, usually even we're, we still, we're still bringing back ideas from older uh, work that has been done on the cutting edge. And so the process of, of doing that puts people in a state of like this can and can't be. And I feel like it feels like I'm repeating myself. But yeah, then you have someone like that. <sighs> not thinking creatively yeah oh, okay yeah so the experts aren't thinking creatively often not no um not when it comes to like when reality itself is changing or when the, the state of things are of the way things are and aren't is changing hmm. I, I think that the map is not the territory might be the the meme that applies here i feel like that's right. That's a classic sequences meme. Mm -hmm. Like they have their tunnel vision, understanding of quotes, what is, but it's not reflective of the actual state of things as they are in the world necessarily. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the territory changed. There was a tectonic plate shift or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, the map is old now. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So then in contrast to experts, um, what are, what are the, what are some qualities of, of leaders that make them better suited to be in charge? Good question. 
it's a, an idea I've been thinking through recently as, um, as someone who had a lot of leadership training when he was young, um, varying churches, and both of, or a few of which are commonly known or recently discussed on Twitter. It's one of the core ideals of leadership is like being in tune with, well, if you are a leader, you're going to have subordinates of some sort, whether or not they're even you're necessarily above them in the power structure, whether you're equal to them, whether they're below you, you know, flat structure, like a CEO and a board, or whether it's a, a strict hierarchy or whether it's just a bunch of people and you're wrangling cats. And uh, regardless <clears throat> of the explicit structure, there's a need to be in tune with them not only for their own sake, but for the sake of uh, gathering knowledge as far as what is the territory, what is going on at the bottom. And this is something that's taught as uh, what you have to do is in order to get them to do what you want them to do and to reach the goal. And it sort of happens passively is this uh, updating of, of how things are going and where we're moving. Mm-hmm. So a leader is able to accept and integrate different knowledge and insights from, you know, all levels of the hierarchy hierarchy. Is that, is that yeah. accurate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got to stay in tune with, uh, with the needs and knowledge and uh, current state of being within his team mood vibe. <laughs> the vibing leader, mm-hmm. the rigid expert. Yeah, I mean, you got to, but that's the, as you touch, as we were talking about prior, sometimes you got to have the rigid expert who's like, you know, things might seem goofy right now, but I'm pretty sure this is what it is, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, is there is there a leader in any context, either in your personal life or historically or anywhere, um, who you particularly admire uh, and why? Mm. There are quite a few. Recently, I've been on a George Washington grind just because I like his the way he handled power. I think it's an, a great example that a lot of people need to follow uh, as far as not clinging to power and instead seeking to pass it on and continue this pattern of passing on power versus uh, maintaining it for self-interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even the um, just that concept of willingly ceding power um itself is very powerful in a different frame i feel like just the idea of like um you know ceding personal power for the sake of the state power of we're going to have a healthy continuation of power you know beyond my reign in my life into perpetuity yeah it's a flex yeah yeah exactly like he's historically so powerful because he chose to be less than maximally powerful during his life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's uh yeah, there's a whole other argument or idea to it. Not a detraction, but there's just another step to make that's its own rabbit hole. Self-interest, basically, versus um, interest in humanity or an idea of greater humanity. And usually you want them to be not necessarily in conflict. Like there's some great gains that are made when self-interest and humanity's interests are in alignment. Yes. I think that was the case with Washington. Yeah. I mean, 
it was probably in his economic self-interest to break away from Britain, right? I actually don't doubt that. But there was a little bit of, um, yeah, shit, make your own country, you'll get rich. But I don't know, feels like I should look for a second example. <laughs> don't feel any pressure, man. We Washington's a fantastic example. You get a correct response. Bingo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good historical example, but no pressure if you had something from your personal life, you know, any context. Um, love to hear about that as well, of an of a admirable leader. No, it's because people flow in and out of this position of being a leader. So I'm trying to think of like which people I admire and why. It hasn't, I've never thought about it particularly for that reason before so there's no memory of of, of that process mm, just like individual actions that are demonstrative of leadership doesn't have to be their entire you know identity necessarily yeah yeah it's been uh hmm. it's, it's such a tricky idea to pick out from memory for me <laughs> right it's not, uh, it's not your strong suit yeah <laughs> uh like what would be a memory of someone being a good leader even i did i used to have a coworker who was um he had the expert knowledge of what we were doing and the not a coworker he was a a superior he didn't act like it though that was one stellar part of his behavior and his uh, power of his leadership and then when it came to the actual work that was being done um, in a particular moment where there were probably 400 customers on site plus if not more about 30 maybe 40 brand new employees hired just that day just for that day uh, to do the work and because he both had this big picture sense of what was going on of what needed to happen in his head on like a kind of an outline level. And he was able to not only act decisively, but command people decisively of like you here, then yeah, it just made it uh, incredibly trustworthy to follow his direction as a leader because there was no second guessing. It was just you here, you here. Mm. Uh, as, uh, well, I would love to talk about the, the job in <laughs> private. It was a, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an opsec for Spectre. So, but I'd be definitely, I'd definitely be down to talk <laughs> about the job in detail and private. Um, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like someone who was able to, you know, delegate and communicate the big picture as well as the yeah. every details of what was going on. And it was, and especially in hindsight, uh, what comes to mind is he could, I mean, he could see like, oh, so-and-so is looking tired. Okay, you, this view being to so-and-so, go get mm -hmm. some water. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, he was, he was just a wizard. All right. Yeah. Very cool. Great example. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. No problem. Full steam ahead. <laughs> Next tweet. Uh oh. On February 18th, 2022, you tweeted 
The men who go, don't talk about those things, you'll upset the women, are merely trying to get laid. They want women to continue to exist in a benign, non-self-aware state that can easily be coerced and controlled. I say this as someone who once lived the upside of this and who will continue to do it occasionally simply because why not? It is about as easy as either saying absolutely very literally nothing or saying what you think they want to hear and throwing some charm into it. Of course, this has been said many times before, but what I have yet to see is the further take that this is what's throwing us through the cycles. It's why there will be a fifth and a sixth and so on wave of feminism because they can't solve the problem since weak men won't let them. So in this thread, you go on to give advice for women in this ecosystem, but I thought we'd just pause there. Yeah. Again, yeah, another... Uh... <clears throat> I wish I remembered the thought space where that came from. Uh, what question do you want answered about that? I was that one. Of, that one is one of that was actually not so much an immediate uh, complaint or, or whininess, but was more something I've been thinking about over quite a few days um, and trying to distill into hopefully a statement that I thought was um, intelligible or otherwise worth again, sort of dishing out on the internet either someone will find it now or maybe someone will find it in a few years it'll be relevant and who knows how long yeah i i think i get the, the thrust of your your claim there in those tweets um i was really mostly curious to know uh, what are examples of quotes those things you mentioned that shouldn't be talked about for the for the sake of getting laid <laughs> uh oh there's so many of them um yeah, where should I begin? I think the topic at the time it was when eugenics was. It was like eugenics day on Twitter. <laughs> Every day. Yeah, it was extra eugenics day. It was uh, those things. Though, what's something you don't say if if because you, you don't want to make the women angry? It's um, oh, I buried them psychologically myself. Oops. <laughs> well, I mean, you start with eugenics. <laughs> so this will go. This will go swell. Um, yeah. So, so what, in your view, is it about eugenics discussions that you know are off-putting to women? Um, behavioral psych, and uh, and the idea that you know some behavior is more hormonally motivated, and then not just you know between gender, but then um, some people can be more genetically predisposed to being um, angry or sad. Of course, that's the realm of where it gets into. It's complicated and it's worth discussing at all because it's complicated. And right now people have really simplistic ideas about it. It's, oh, more of this hormone or more of that, or even it's Im immediately passed down, right? It's not passive or um, dominant alleles or whatever. It's and it's worth talking about to at least get some mushiness into the conversation versus people's current ideas of it, that it's incredibly simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, those conversations are always fraught because, you know, with just behavior in general, things are always or usually multifactorial. So just even broadly, like genetics and environment, mm -hmm. I think both play major roles as far as 
you know, someone's base emotional state or their disposition towards particular behaviors. Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that it's, uh, and that the, even from one base state of genetics, um, different environments can have a, a variety of different uh, results or who knows? A lot of it's just luck. <laughs> right, the genetic lottery. Yeah, or that uh, even just the luck of how the how the brain is formed. So, I mean, just looking at this tweet again, and they want women to exist in a non-self-aware state where they can be easily coerced and controlled. Yeah, what was that? Was the the kicker? I'm trying to remember what what that thought was. That that feels. How do I phrase this? Um, my vocabulary insufficient here. Um, like it doesn't respect women's agency. Maybe like they can learn this shit on their own. Yeah. No, that's a fair question or a fair take on it. Uh, that's what I'm sort of trying to get at. I feel like there is that when given this limited these limited ideas of what can and can't be discussed. I think this is the thought personally in this moment it feels like I'm, I'm running on a different set of tracks mm-hmm. but that uh i'm totally forgetting the original idea but it's that when the conversations are limited to um i think it was like uh is the term gender normativity or like um the, the ultimate extension of gender fluidity is that the term for uh the gender normativity is the term for it anyways that genders are or that people's behaviors that like basically anything but about for 90% of people they roughly fall within two mm, kind of mushy fuzzy circles and generally this is eh, sort of predictable and uh that when me oh man i should have taken that offer to make more coffee <laughs> you can do it now it's no problem we can pause yeah that feels like cheating though i'd like to finish the thought first mm-hmm. uh there was something i had on my mind in particular it wasn't even eugenics it was yeah it was that um i think actually it wasn't Gaddafi's book but it was that what why are why does it seem like women have this base and the most, you know, 90% bucket, 90% fuzzy circle, right? Of uh, women seem to have a kind of base fearful um, emotional state. Is it socially or culturally reinforced or whatever? Or, you know, why does it seem like, sorry about the, the PEM. Uh, <laughs> why does it seem like so many women behave this way? And that discussion at all, it doesn't seem like is even being had of uh, why. Is it genetic? Is it socially reinforced? Oh, and then, uh, and then where, is, where is the work to be done from here if women are seeking more agency and more freedom in their lives? Or where is the path forward? Instead, it's just stuck spinning on things where there is no traction, obviously. Hmm. Yeah, admittedly, I haven't heard of this. Correct me if I'm getting this claim wrong, but that women have this base fear state, as you said. Yeah. 
Hmm. Hmm. I mean, maybe it's just a claim. Maybe I'm full of shit. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, obviously, like talking about any huge, huge swath of a population, it's going to be lossy and wrong to some degree. Mm-hmm. But things like like when I mentioned, you know, being just straight up homeless for periods of time, and all the men are just like, yeah, <laughs> go at it. And there's this uh, a fearful response from a lot of women there. Oh, are you safe? And blah, blah, blah. It's like, it, that's appreciated. But more of my thought is, um, again, the difference between the, the instinctual thought of why. Mm-hmm. Is this some sort of like base caretaker mm, thought pattern that's, uh, that's still being passed down socially or socioculturally without us noticing? Is it? a hormonal thing that's Mm. the question gotcha yeah Hmm. i remembered i remembered uh i think it was the example that i was that kept coming to mind in that moment was of at a prior job i worked which was sort of a for a a kind of sport with a playing field of uh, varying nature I don't know if we've talked about it at all. And um, again, it's one of the many, most of my jobs I've worked at in my life for male dominant workspaces, but the a significant amount of the customer base here is women. And the men are talking about how to literally change the, uh, the playing field to make it so that the women don't hit like hard defeat immediately as often. And to make it uh, easier for them in this moment, or to make it easier for them to actually get some at least initial success. And then, um, of course, confidence building, but it's sort of false confidence building because the men are able to do this perfectly fine without the change in the playing field. And again, it's just uh, a lot of, and it was one example of many uh, hidden crutches I see all around us that are really damning or damaging to women or otherwise um, really don't help them because they believe they're feeling success without actually um, learning the trick or the um, what is required to uh, overcome these hurdles, if that makes any sense at all. Um, yeah, I, I definitely understand everything you're saying there. <laughs> I, I i don't know where to continue with that it's, it's so spicy and so like you know complex and the terror yeah and i wish uh, if if you ever want i could work out a full like uh example just for personal curiosity of uh of what i've been of of all these little crutches it's or um another prime example is uh say the army having trouble deciding whether or not to change the requirements the testing requirements to get in the infantry to uh, allow women or more women to actually pass and then again you know whether or not that's a space which is best for the this feels cheap but the skills most women are born with um i'm willing to totally hear other angles on that uh or generally what a lot of women are more likely to be predisposed to be good at versus prime example is the Finnish sniper women, which is more nuanced and something that isn't quite a, the boys activity. It's um, 
the the final finish of that or, or um, point of that, which is again, I'm only sort of sure, not really sure about it, but that uh, it seems like women are a lot better at things which require a lot of fine control and tact and uh, nuance. Mm-hmm. And uh, quite frankly, self-control versus men are much better at just fuck the yeehaw. <laughs> I think I have heard or seen that take that men are more just get at it, kind of move forward, whereas women are more, you know, detail oriented. Um, yeah. But, but th- those those two um, examples, both the, the playing field and the army, they, they seem to both encompass this idea that, you know, on a population level, women have different physiology from men, like the median woman versus the median man. And so mm-hmm. in contexts where men and women coexist in some goal or competition or pursuit, um, is it quote right or not to accommodate those, you know, two sets of physiologies or, um, just let the, you know, the women in this case, um, probably not being as physically adept for whatever the task is, just kind of not succeed as much as through the nature of the way their, their body is compared to men. Yes. Or body or mind or, or whatever. It's, um, it's that those accommodations might necessarily be misguiding or leading them into again, feeling like they're and seeming like we're believing they're achieving success where in fact um, they're being led astray. And again, that's ties back into this, uh, what was what was the tweet it's that uh <laughs> that they're uh in this uh non-existent space really of um he said benign benign non-self-aware state yeah of uh of um near of false existence that's only again then these men control that uh that state that supports that and they have them completely basically uh, under their whim and they can add or remove uh support depending on uh where they want to push which way they do or don't want to push the women hmm. and there's hmm. uh i hate this uh the the women i need a better word maybe just women is more personable and uh, sympathetic mm-hmm so then do you think it's usually better then for if if a rule set or a playing field is being adjusted to better accommodate women it's better for them to be aware of that as opposed to being ignorant of it yes 100 percent um i mean then they know where the accommodations are being made and maybe even though that's a steep learning curve they can fucking charge at it and uh seek that hard difficult growth for the few that want to take the difficult path versus just being completely unaware of where to go and um and trying to use men's strategies which are easily and readily available as that's uh what a lot of men do is is um solve problems and share problem solving strategies and yeah Mm -hmm. i i've heard this i think applied in like a business context too where uh, women try to display like a masculine style of, I don't know, leadership or, you know, if they, when they rise in a hierarchy, um, I don't know, they sort of have this, 
uh, like potentially non-genuine way of leading, which doesn't suit their like natural, I don't know, personality or ways of communicating and, you know, being a leader. They just want to imitate the, the men's style because that's, you know, what always succeeds in business, you know, men rise to the top. I've never heard that, but it sounds dope. Sounds like, <laughs> a, good, sounds like a good thought. Yeah, I just uh, thought of another context this could relate in. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, it's so messy, man. Right? It's <laughs> I, mushy. I, I, I was scared to add this tweet, but I'm, I'm glad I did. <laughs> so, so wait, do you personally talk about this with women ever? Like, hey, do you know you're being accommodated, by the way? Do you ever bring this up? Yes, I have a, <clears throat> a select few that, that, that sounds shitty. Uh, a few that I have uh, found are willing to talk about these things um, on a direct, like, us-to-us, one-to-one over the internet, but uh, over distance, where we have known each other in person, where, like, one of them is a photographer at her wedding. Uh, That's how personal relationships are. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've, I've known them for years, and or they've went to varying either liberal arts colleges or um, more masculine spaces, military. Uh, yeah, yeah, that personal relationship thing just... That, that's where a lot of this comes from is those discussions. Yeah, yeah, having these discussions is, you know, pretty much always goes over better when you have some personal relationship history with the other person, like your you know, friends in real life or have a shared context um, outside of just the discussion itself, like, you know, replying on Twitter or whatever. Because mm-hmm. um, then you can understand, I don't know, it just seems to lead to more empathy and more good faith uh, yeah. attributions towards the other discussion, the person in, in the discussion. Yeah, that's spot on. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, <clears throat> again, the, the goal isn't hate. The goal is uh, growth and liberation. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a... As much as I have my complaints and, and bitching about feminism, that's my ultimate belief is uh, a freedom and pure or solid understanding of who we are. It's just mm-hmm. that a lot of the frameworks suck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or are unhelpful. Right. Whew. Okay. That was a good <laughs> one, though. That was a thank you. That, that, that was one I put a... I put a I got kind of rambly towards the end, but I mm-hmm. put a good amount of work into trying to frame it together into something that made any sense at all. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've expended more critical thinking in the past hour than I have in the, the two weeks before now. <laughs> nice. Is, does, is your brain on fire? Uh, yeah, and I love it. So yeah. thank, thank you for sharing your brain on Twitter and letting me pick and choose the ones I want to go deep on here. That's the best feeling. Cool, man. All right. Next tweet. Shit. <laughs> Next tweet. On February 28th, 2022, you tweeted, ah, shit, almost out of smokes. <laughs> 28th. What day was that? <laughs> A couple weeks ago. Where was I? It was 4 p.m. At least the time I see if that matters. 4 p.m. Uh, it was probably... 8 p.m. where I was, maybe 7, something like that, Monday. I think <laughs> I was a, about to hop on a plane, something like that. No, I was 
hopping on a plane later that week. Oh yeah, I was I was at a uh, at kind of like a, a remote location uh, where there um there there were no cigarette sales. There were only beer sales, and um, well, I was I was out of smokes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it's I, just a dumb thought. No, no. I, I just wanted to know from this um, your your history with cigarettes. Um, just anything you want to share about that? Oh. It's presence in your life. Yeah. Uh, first, I started nicotine as the uh, from the um, the common. I feel like our space or like the the com- computer science space angle of. Um, of like, oh, holy shit. Oh, I, was, I was into nootropics at the time. And I was like, wow, nicotine's fucking awesome. Like, technically speaking. I was like, I should try this <laughs> shit. I was like, whoa, nicotine's awesome. And um, and from there, I started actually with vaping. <laughs> it was the vaping to smoking pipeline. And <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Um, and then after uh, exiting the more white collar space of, uh, of computer science and doing a lot of blue collar jobs, particularly one, I found that uh, particularly one that required a lot of customer service and dealing with customers that are uh, uh, of higher economic status than me, where I'm, I'm the lowly laborer and they're the particularly upper middle class to lower upper class uh white dudes <clears throat> they really think they're hot shit and there's nothing quite like uh being able there's no more satisfying way of being able to satisfying or effective way of being able to tell someone to fuck off and just they're saying they're blah, 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 i'm in my needs i got my needs i'm in a hurry and you just light up a cigarette and they're just sitting there rambling and eventually they just stop talking and you're sitting there like are you done (laughs) but i don't but you don't even have to say that it's even better than having to say it it's um the perfect communication of i'm sorry man i don't give a shit uh (laughs) there's nothing i can do (laughs) get in line there's a there are 10 other guys like you in line and unlike you not you, but this this proverbial person that I've dealt with probably a hundred odd times. Uh, these ten other guys are actually designed to be mature adults, and uh, that maybe they should do the same. It's the yeah, it's just the it's one of the most stellar class signals I have ever found, besides the ratty ass jacket. <laughs> <laughs> which didn't used to be so ratty. It's kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cigarette as like social tool is very I've, interesting. I've heard that the common one that I like to hedge against is it's cigarettes are social capital because of the smoking circle. And that's mm-hmm. all right. You know, you sort of make friends and especially it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, if, you, if it's not the last cigarette, cigarettes are always free mm-hmm. if somebody needs one or wants one and uh always just instant make buddies with people that way but it reminds me of uh it wasn't i don't remember whether it was a tweet or a meme i saw somewhere of um of women relative to women where it's uh like oh uh, see this girl sneaky skew on twitter on 
Tinder. <laughs> oh, wait, she smokes? Shit, she's a mechanic. Like, <laughs> and I don't, I, personally, I didn't see why that was a downside. That was what the uh, uh, communicate communicated idea was that oh she's a mechanic that's a bad thing personally i don't i see it the other way around of oh she smokes she's gotta be cool (laughs) (laughs) uh is someone i'm supposed to have a date with in the future uh (laughs) was uh identified by as by peers as oh you're gonna like this girl firstly because she smokes (laughs) And that just, uh, it signals a lot, whether um, trade-offs of future of present desire or need for that kind of satiation and what that says. I've heard the angle of like what that says about self-control and lack of uh, good coping strategies. But in my experience, as someone who's tried basically every coping strategy in the book, nothing quite hits the same, not even antidepressants quite hit Mm. the same as the best antidepressant which is cigarettes wow it actually works the same uh it works as an maoi nicotine does actually i think it was smoking in particular uh works extra strong as a has an extra strong maoi effect and yeah what is that uh i only remember the i because it's inhibitor (laughs) it's yeah okay uh, it's some neuro neurological chemical mm-hmm. that's um, above my pay grade. I've never, <laughs> I've been wanting to get into chemistry, but one day, maybe when I'm 40, but it's, uh, it works and you get a, you can almost always get a smoke break at work whereas you can't get a, I'm tired. I need to take a breather break and go drink some water break or go get, <laughs> get sun pilled break. Exactly that though that has changed a little and it uh, especially changes if with expertise or with um, expertise is the wrong word with uh, employer value of the employee right if you if you're in the position of like I can't get fired then then yeah uh, I, I've found being able to take a sun break actually works but when you're just uh, again a new hire or a no experience hire um, then then it is more difficult to get a break without relying on the norm of the smoke break. And so you can rely on, or I can rely on the norm of the smoke break to get a break at all, or to get a little breather or to, um, even as <clears throat> what just happened recently with coffee is uh, get a little thought break and, uh, think about the problem I've been working on without actively having to look at the problem or look like I'm working. Oh it's, yeah. yeah. It's just a general phenomenon where, right. As you said, um, taking a break from like the active, whatever work task and like letting your brain just like passively or in the background, chew on it. Um, mm-hmm. can just like spontaneously generate, you know, insights or a way forward if you're stuck somewhere. Exactly. And it's, uh, being able to meet that need in order to actually meet the employer's desires or the um the manager's desires of solving the problem mm-hmm. even though while so simultaneously meeting their foolish or um uh poor leadership need of needing to see their employees work mm-hmm. yeah man uh um just that idea of you said of like hey boss 
I need to go not look at the screen to figure out the way forward. Boss says no. Hey, boss, I need to go take a smoke break, which will accomplish the same thing I just said. And boss says yes. And that's where it comes the whole way back around into being a class signal is actually having to have uh, been in that position in life of uh, needing to get that break. And the only way to rely on getting that break is the norm um, hmm. of not having a, any status to work with to begin with. Do you think you'll smoke for the rest of your life? I've been thinking about that. It's tough. Smoking's cool. <laughs> Can't not be cool. <laughs> You're right. Uh, especially it's what, what keeps coming to mind is what a friend of mine who's, I think he's, yeah, I think he's pursuing his uh, doctorate. Again, and he is currently married to someone who is already has her doctorate. And I think she got her doctorate at like 23 or something. And they, <laughs> he said, and she affirmed, um, when, especially when talking about uh, surfing, he was like, yeah, I was, I was just watching this guy and he just fucking lit up a cigarette, caught the waves, stood up and just lit a cigarette and wrote it in. And man, anything that you're doing, looks 10 times cooler if you're smoking while you're doing it <laughs> and again this guy is a doctor and his, his wife was like yeah totally that they're both doctors and they're telling me this and it's, <laughs> it's like wow i didn't really believe it before them um or i never i tried to tried to avoid it for the same reason i've had this uh confidence issue as described prior relative to what people say to me i've tried to avoid that in order to letting it you know not letting my ego get too inflated and trying to be humble as a person mm -hmm. but man after hearing that it was like damn yeah smoking is cool <laughs> yeah hmm. and decided to believe or put some credence to their uh, to their words and their judgment that's mm -hmm. been a tough point for me recently i'm just curious a little bit of an aside but I read like a super hot take recently that, you know, again, everything's multifactorial, but the claim was the obesity epidemic is in part caused by the fact that people just don't smoke cigarettes nearly as much anymore. Wow. Yeah. That one's multifactorial. <laughs> um, is it indicative or is it an immediate causation of, uh, on, uh, appetite? Yeah. Is it, is it an ind indicative of lower stress jobs? Hmm. And uh, therefore, um, less immediate hardship and uh, stress in the population, or or then of, yeah, of stress, mm -hmm. less of the, the chemical, the uh, immediate uh, appetite suppression, and more of um, again, less appetite suppression from less stress in life. Mm -hmm. uh, who knows? But that's a good question to ask. That's one of those questions that a lot of people want to avoid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know very little, just basically regurgitating a blog post title or tweet I saw or something. Uh, do, do cigarettes suppress your appetite? Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's something that over time, appetite comes back, the body adapts. Um, but in the immediacy, yeah. And then uh, I think, I mean, there's, again, everything is multifactorial, as you excellently stated, there's uh, 
and this doesn't ring true for me, but there's the well measured known that uh, app that smoking cigarettes uh, generally harms people's sense of smell. And then uh, how does that factor into their desire to eat or their satiation from eating? Hmm. Uh, Is that cigarettes negatively affect one's smell ability? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. That's uh, a common known that um, lifetime smokers slowly lose their sense of smell. I think it's personally from straight up blowing smoke out of uh, the <laughs> nose, which looks cool. It's like but, up uh, the whatever's in there. Yeah, or just Over. or just the nicotine uh, hitting the whatever nose hairs, however the nose works. <laughs> hmm. um, but it comes back, and again, even within personally at from what I've noticed, it's within 15 minutes. Um, once the, the immediate buzz is gone of nicotine, then, uh, and it is particularly nicotine, not smoking that I've noticed. That's why I like these bad boys. Uh, <laughs> uh, as if I don't feel like eating or don't feel like I, I want to have to deal with eating or thinking about it. And I can just throttle myself on nicotine and not have to think about it. It's a sort of an external control, similarly to making a calendar to remember things versus um, trying to keep everything in the headspace. Another another external management strategy. Yeah, people just on hunger have such vile, or people have such wildly varied relationships with you know hunger and food and those like body signals. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's a good hedge against is uh, is hunger, or um, or yeah, the, the immediate psychological effects of hunger, and whether it's uh, in the moment, even to go back to, to Casino Royale, <laughs> uh, and whether it's necessary in the moment to push oneself to avoid that uh, avoid that sense and that felt that felt need for the sake of other needs. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... Usually, you know, any individual event is not nearly as important as the the trend over longer periods of time. Like, do you have a healthy relationship with food in general, as opposed to, you know, oh, I overate today or whatever? Um, mm-hmm. Probably doesn't matter in the long run, as long as it doesn't become, you know, a habit. Like, I overate five days in a row might be more concerning. Exactly. Or, you know, did I have a need to overeat? Right? Am I am I trying to make gains? <laughs> or am I, am I working a lot and sweating a lot, um, burning a lot of calories? Then where does overeating fit in that if you're burning 4,000 calories a day? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, just, it's just honestly not possible. Then <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. even the guy who's big enough to eat 6,000 calories, well, he's big and he can, <laughs> he can burn 6,000 calories a day. Yeah, big big infantry guys. The Wait, they just like do that every day, or like they work for that? Yeah, that's like uh, uh, I'll have to find and have my computer set up fucking screwy here. Oh boy! But but uh, it's like the uh the common meal size for when guys are in buds, the entry program for SEAL. Uh, it's fucking hilarious. It's like just straight up meat and potatoes. And it's an incredible amount of food because, uh, well, they're, yeah, they're eating an incredible amount of food and 
<laughs> just carrying logs because that's what the test is is just putting your body through shit and what's the calorie count if, it, if google works at all anymore 3500 to 6000 calories per day Hilarious. <laughs> Nutrition guide. Ooh, that's a good PDF. <laughs> right click. Yep, right click, save, put it in the library. Wow. <laughs> All right, I'll let you uh, peruse the PDF on, on your own time. Um, yeah. We'll go ahead on to your, to your next tweet here. On March 14th, 2022, you tweeted, how do I fry my brain into being asexual? <laughs> oh, that was last night. <laughs> was that last night? Yeah, that was last night. Huh. I wonder if the immediately relevant people are going to listen to this. <laughs> it's a tough issue I've dealt with a lot of my life to the tune of vibing is it's like I don't personally, and since it, this is excellent because I have it right on my mind, is uh, just vibing. I don't have the immediate draw to women that a lot of women seem to expect or want from me or is the norm um as a well, who is it who's the netherlands guy on twitter uh elodes netherlands mm -hmm. i think so it has fucking excellent stories or excellent uh points about um wants and needs from either side and the desire to be pursued that a lot of women want and that when I'm just vibing or just expressing mm -hmm. what I immediately feel, well, it takes, personally, it takes me actually quite a bit of time around someone to actually feel drawn to them or feel like I want to be closer to them or that I want them. And then to, for that expression to come out with, without thought, right. Without um, a framework or without uh acting according to others rules per like say the game my unironic uh one of my favorite books is stan <laughs> is uh you have to read it the whole way through uh, always got to get that disclaimer out because it's a narrative not a playbook uh but uh to yeah to communicate that genuinely and the the fact that that doesn't really match up most of the time the vast majority of the time with most uh single women and then they're expressed frustration with that. And it's like, well, I am who I am. And, uh, and then the flip side of always, I don't know, hitting that wall. I don't know how many times in my life now, hundreds. And yeah, not wanting to even deal with it anymore just because it's tired, man. Mm -hmm. Okay, so sounds like the sort of process by which you personally generate and develop desire towards women does not match what they would want or expect from you to their yeah. frustration yeah to their their expressed frustration to my own frustration with it and to uh and then it's i don't know this feels like a pity party statement to make but uh to the feelings of, of being an outlier relative to uh, most other people's relating strategies or skills or base. Yeah, do you mind going into just in detail there, if you if you want to, in what ways yeah. you're an outlier? 
Uh, exactly that. That um, <laughs> that feels like the, what's the, the common meme with the like when you look at him when a, when you look at a man in the bar when a woman looks at a man in the bar versus when a man looks at the bar and it's just like uh it's uh that zeroing in of like oh i want this woman that's not really something that uh comes to mind to me and that's something uh either most women are used to feeling and think is it this is in the i don't know territory of um is it a socially reinforced norm or what they believe they ought desire because of cultural presence and uh mm -hmm and social reinforcement or or what and not fitting in that at all really mm -hmm. so then trying to understand like the real life situation which just manifests so like say on a first date the woman um do you like are you curious do you ask a lot of questions about her do you refrain from like i don't know body language demonstrations of interest like how, how does she receive the message that you're you know, an outlier. Receive the message. Huh. How, how does she become frustrated by your actions or lack thereof? Like what, what happens on the date or doesn't happen? Yeah, the conversation used to be an issue for me. Not so much anymore. I can usually hold up a conversation even if the person is at a, has um, very limited social skills, which is a good skill in itself to learn is how to uh, help people and sort of a set example there mm -hmm. of how a conversation goes it's even uh just the, a recent trip i've been on has been a, a terrific exercise and that very satisfying uh in uh in helping people socialize and or there's probably a lot that i've even received in being helped socialize and um but it's like particularly uh for me it's touch is always really difficult to initiate or to feel again until it's actually I feel the need to like okay I want to touch this person my time frame for that is much longer than what most women want I don't know what most women are used to I don't know I don't know what the causes are behind it other than um I want to say what is expected and not in a wanted or necessarily desired but what is uh what they're used to or believe is going to happen and then it doesn't happen and then there's visible or body language frustration or uh, discomfort reminds me of a a date i not even a date we were supposed to hook up like two or three years ago and this uh this chick invited me over to her place at like 10 p.m. And this is how dense I am. Uh, I was like, oh, she wants to chat and bullshit. We were just bullshitting for a really long time. And I made a couple moves inwards. So I was like, oh, shit, I should probably do something. I kind of want to get laid. And uh, <laughs> but there was no response for her. Her response was more um, not necessarily shielded, but um, uh, not quite deer in the headlights, but more doughish. And uh you know, I know knowledge wise that, you know, maybe that's um, would mean, and this is where it gets tricky is does that mean she wants me to push more or push beyond that? And, you know, no, knowing does she know is tricky in that moment relative to habits. And uh, where do I move there? Do I push more? Do I push less? 
Mm-hmm. And over time, she just became a little frustrated or confused. Like, why isn't he? That was actually what a different Tinder date last summer said uh, was her question. And it was, uh, she taught me a lot. It was one of the things I'm very thankful for. Was, um, is he going to make a move or should I make a move? And that confusion within herself of of what she is supposed to do. Yeah, I feel like there's something I'm not finishing there, but. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there's just a, um, a social or cultural script where in those contexts, like the, the guy is the one to progress the situation. Mm-hmm. It's up to the woman to either, you know, accept or reject those progressions. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're not doing your part in the script, then <laughs> she doesn't, yeah. he doesn't know how to behave because we're, we're, you're off script there. It's uncharted territory. That's and that's it exactly is the battle between uh, following the script and uh, and or uh, acting, being, communicating genuinely. And where where is the uh, you know where is the sanity lie in that equation? I don't know. I don't know yet. Working on it. Yeah, that sounds tough. Like you either in these situations either not being true to yourself or not being, you know, true to what, how she would like the interaction to go. So someone's, someone's going to be disappointed. Yeah. There's not the, the compromise seems tough to impossible from what you're describing. Yeah. I believe there is a person. I'm a fucking problem solver, but, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I haven't uh, found it yet, nor have I found anyone's answer to it. That's satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this makes me wonder, like, <laughs> what if on a date you were just like, maybe towards the start, like, hey, I'm an outlier, by the way. I don't know, like, just communicating the ways in which you notice, you know, you're different in these regards, and just being upfront about that from the start. Yeah, that's a excellent piece of advice. I'm gonna steal it. Yeah, if it's advice, just like, curious if you would try that or would be open to trying that, because... You know, just trying something different, usually just getting new data on how to, you know, go towards things you want. Um, if what you're doing isn't working, you know, try something else. Yeah, exactly. Um, communicating explicitly has never worked for me. It's always hit with a uh, almost never. Mm-hmm. Uh, rarely it, it does, which is nice. But usually it's met with, well, communicating explicitly it, a lot of things regardless of gender either way is like a social faux pas and maybe faux pas itself is uh, usually social but <clears throat> and trying to decipher a way to communicate that uh, subtextually or through um through image mm-hmm. and not quite persona but um through a dating profile itself and the way it's uh, constructed or another um, nonverbal means. To me, that seems like the angle up. Fuck it, I'll try communicating explicitly <laughs> a few more times. I got nothing to lose. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm not, just, I'm not telling what to do here. I was, I was just curious about oh, yeah. if that was a possible experiment you could run. Yeah, uh, 
I've tried communicating explicitly many other things before and uh, yeah, it's always met with uh, confusion or um, expecting there to actually be some other message mm-hmm. there. Yeah. That I'm actually saying something else when in reality, I'm just saying, no, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to bring up some relevant information that uh, we've discussed in person. If it's not, Okay, just feel free to interrupt and I'll, you know, cut all this part. That's very fun. But you, you've mentioned that in the past, you, at least from what I understood, you were much more successful as far as interactions with women, as far as, you know, succeeding with physical and or romantic efforts when you, when you meet women, um, which sounds like you're less successful now as opposed to then. So I'm curious to know, like, what changed? I quit following the script. Right. And uh, yeah, I decided to communicate uh, more genuinely and uh, mm. accurate to how I feel in the moment versus uh, following a known script. And uh, again, the, the expectations or the what is known that uh, a lot of women want from them. So following the script was never something you want to do. It was just what you ended up doing for the sake of you know, whatever you desired with the woman. Not even, I mean, that was part of motivation, not even part, a significant part of the motivation, get laid, duh. Uh, but it was having, starting with no social skills at all. And from there, okay, you know, what do I do? How do I like, how do I talk to women, even though that feels like a cheap way to say it or how do I communicate my desires and then uh, on to uh, first, again, uh, read a couple books and was like, okay, this is something that works. And it was uh, from a, had a poor theory of others' mind at that point in time uh, of, uh, okay, this is what I'll do that will get me the results that I want. And, and yeah, then uh, following the script, you know, tweaking and making adaptations that are make it a little more personal or um, adding my own touch to it and then to make it unique, you know, not identifiable as structured game, which is the mistake most men make when trying to do pick up artist shit is um, they just follow the script exactly. And well, there's a bazillion other dudes who, well, the dude who wrote it has been following that script for probably five years before he even wrote it down. And, um, and then it was distributed and then popularized. And then, well, women are like, okay, this is, this is game. And, uh, they immediately like reject that. So then, yeah, making it imperceptible. And the, again, it, in the long run, you realize this is why I'm an unironic stan of the game is at the very end of the book, he realizes like, oh shit, this is fucking psychological manipulation. And, uh, <clears throat> I should probably not be this way. And yeah, same thing. I was just like, oh, well, this is pretty fucked up actually. And uh, deciding to again, think about how, you know, how I want to communicate what is felt within myself accurately, truly, and in a way that others understand. And that was when I lost the mojo. I think I've been, I've been thinking about that recently quite when I think it's also more like psychological distress, but I think I was in part of it. And then, well, maybe that is it, is uh, unintentionally communicating the psychological distress. 
Wow. I've, I've vibe myself <laughs> into, into emitting red flags without thinking about it. Mm. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's terrific vibe myself into emitting red flags yeah um, the, the perils of vibing wow okay um yeah uh, yeah i just i just want to say hearing all this like i can imagine a hypothetical listener hearing this and she's response is like oh my god yes please don't follow the script i fucking hate the script yeah um you know so just a matter of you know finding her you know and, and someone in real life or online or whatever just someone like you like you as you are appeal to someone out there you know many many people i'm sure just sure you happen to have not met them lately in real life oh yeah that's that's been the personal project is getting out more lately versus being stuck in again male dominant workspaces and just going to work and going home and going to work and going home or going to school and going home and it's a little harder now not being in college but um it was even that first in college was the habit from high school was go to school, go home. And it was go to school, go to class, go to the gym, go home, do homework and uh, rinse and repeat and actually deciding like, Oh, I should just kind of hang around college more and hang out at the coffee shop. And yeah, slowly continuously working against that habit from childhood. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that is the answer is, uh, is um, <laughs> increasing P. or increasing n right (laughs) (laughs) you know always move towards the goal setbacks and failures etc are always part of the process oh spot on (sighs) cool all right kombucha that was all i had to discuss with you um but before we wrap up uh, i'd like to know what are your favorite things about your twitter experience oh Big question. One, just the the incredible saturation of, of, of highly intelligent people or people with uh, with wonderful insights who are, I don't want to say similarly minded, but similarly open or willing to talk about just about whatever. Um, as I've mentioned, it's it to me, it, as someone who spent a lot of time on 4chan as a, a younger um, person, even adolescent, it feels incredibly open. And there, a never-ending stream. There is a never-ending stream of uh, fresh ideas or new perspectives, even without uh, response to my own, to pick up and listen to and think about, and then uh, kind of add into my own framework of understanding. Of course, not not explicitly, but just that's the way to describe it. Um, lots of bullshit. I, by, you know, I like the smart people on Twitter. I also like the shit posters. Way too much fun with the shit. Just, just the, the turd thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and they can even be one of the same sometimes, the same poster. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's it. Uh, some people have their own shit posting accounts. I've considered that as, a, as having separate outlets, whether that helps others filter their own uh desired information coming in or not but that's kind of also my shtick is you know you get me as you get me like uh that's that's i'm not trying to hold anything back 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I've thought about that a lot. Um, since they so sort of the alt ecosystem seems to be quite, you know, strong and active and healthy around where we hang out on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You know, is it better to try and bucket your types of content, so to speak, or, you know, just be everything you are in a single account, everything you want to share? Exactly. And that was, uh, that was what I decided was that I just, yeah, I wanted to be this, I don't know, single, not necessarily known to be any, any person for any, you know, not have anyone not having any assumptions about me or who I am uh, prior, just purely an expression of thoughts. Uh, and, you know, this is what one person can be as one whole person, the same person and presenting that if that uh, makes any sense at all that's and that's part of it is people are versus uh in real life even in, in every different domain whether it's um, a work domain or the bar is or more professional setting or a um more discourse oriented setting that uh you know, there's the there's the tune and the topical or the, um, the persona that's sort of expected as a base of like this is how you're supposed to communicate within this space versus uh, Twitter. It's just a, a it's just a lot, and that's wonderful. I feel like it's uh, not necessarily. I think the, the focus spaces have their own value, but uh, it's that they're aren't many on Twitter. And I think that unlike 4chan, it's easy to get banned from Twitter. So you get uh, relatively easy as a, <laughs> I keep losing so many followers, especially the communists always get, communists always get banned. They're like the most persecuted group on Twitter. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, that there is even some like negative feedback and to, uh, and reasons to either improve communication or otherwise um, seek out why that negative feedback is being received, even though, as I mentioned recently, there's not as much, but there is quite a bit for it being an online space, yet not being linked to a identical personhood, like with a history and such, um, and prior relationships the way, or necessarily with prior relationships, the way, say, Facebook or Nextdoor is, if you're not a Nextdoor. Next door is fucking lit, man. <laughs> you know that there there is no Twitter script. There's no specified way of how to be on Twitter, and that's beautiful because everyone just brings their own sort of flavor to it. Mm. And from there, the, the the memes sprout and come to life, and memes or memetics or uh, as someone else described the entirety of of, of um self-sustaining ideas as he was describing them as egregores i think i know who you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, my, that that guy's mind moves at a million miles an hour it, that's a compliment he, he's wow he's thinking at warp 9.9 <laughs> almost almost at warp 10 <laughs> um, but that's a bad place to be uh <laughs> um 
and yeah that from this this flow of ideas there comes um, these ideas that have a life of their own and then they exit anyone's control and they just run rampant <laughs> until the joke has been burned to the or, uh, hammered into the ground what what's the male term for it uh running a joke into the ground this this that's fun to watch mm -hmm. every new meme gets to integrate with every other meme that's ever existed so <laughs> yeah the life cycle continues a little from there mm -hmm. all right uh it was really great talking with you today kombucha um thanks for Likewise. taking the time again and uh have a great rest of your day thank you you as well i uh... I appreciate you bringing me on here. This has been wonderful things to bring back to mind and think about. Yeah, all right. Yeah, take care.